Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. And now I ask you to get out your Crosswalk notes. Uh, We are in this message series that started on Easter, Hope Rising. As Stephen said, the original Hope Rising was Jesus rising from the dead. And that is what we celebrate. And not only do we celebrate, but as we go through this message series, we are going to see the implications of, of Christ's resurrection and what it means for our daily lives. And our theme for today is Out of the Shackles of Fear. Now, to help me be a better pastor to you and to tailor this message, I need to know what type of people I'm dealing with today. So the first thing I need to know is how many of you like scary movies? Raise your hand if you're like, okay, there's a new counseling available for people who like scary movies, and... uh, I'm just going to tell you, I hate scary movies, okay? I'm one of these guys who watches non-scary movies like this. And it's like, Dan, are you watching? Yeah, I'm watching. I love this movie. This is great. And it's like, I'm that person that jumps at the time when you're like, really, dude? You didn't see that coming? That's me. And, And I think part of the reason maybe why this happened, I still remember when I was five years old. I've been scarred for life. And I have older brothers and sisters and it was when my, my oldest sister was 14, she was allowed to babysit. There were eight kids. I don't know what my parents were thinking. But I was about five at that time. And my parents were gone. It was like one of the first times they ever left us. And bedtime for us was usually pretty early. It was like usually 7, 7.30, something like that. So we were young and inexperienced with my parents being gone. So... They of, we of course, I said, can I stay up longer? And of course, they said, okay, if you behave and don't tell mom and dad, uh, you can stay up as late as you want. And what I remember, I don't remember the whole movie, but I do remember it was a vampire movie. And I do remember there was a part of it where they were going through the basement with the stake and the, and the hammer and they were open the casket to put the stake through the vampire and he wasn't in the casket. And that's pretty much when I lost it. And, and I was like, oh my gosh. Well, that's when they also told me, Dan, I think you need to go to bed. <laughs> well, that lasted about two minutes until I think there's a vampire in my room. And then, of course, once my parents came back, I saw the vampire movie and I'm afraid. And it's, I, I can't remember any other day that my parents allowed me to sleep in bed with them other than that night. And so what I thought at that time was, I can't wait till I grow up so that I'm not afraid anymore. And that, that was the biggest lie that I believed is grown-ups are not afraid. And I thought that because my parents let me go in by them and because they didn't seem... Uh, scared by it, that they must not be afraid, and I can't wait till I get there and I reach a point where I'm not afraid anymore. And I think everyone here today would know that that is a lie. 
that being afraid has nothing to do with how old you are, and it has nothing to do with how mature you are. And so as Stephen kind of pointed out, the, there's, there's a number of things that people are afraid of. This, this is the top 10 from the internet. Number one, public speaking. I have the scariest job in the world, right here. But then behind them are heights. The next one is the dentist visit. Snakes, flying, spiders, tight spaces, mice, dogs, and thunderstorms. Those are the top 10. Those are the top 10 for, for, for adults of what they are afraid of. But I think if we, look different, if we looked at it a little bit differently, there are things that you are more afraid of than those things. Many of you, if you are like me, are driven by a fear of failure. That you have a fear that someone might find out something about your past. That there's a certain amount of fear uh, that, that's caused by a number of things. I'm afraid of, of what might happen to my kids. And, and what happens is the, the older you get and the more you see, the more you realize what a dangerous world we live in and, and those fears can become even greater. And this is especially important because we live at a time where many people have figured that out and they use your fear against you as a weapon. And it's called terrorism. Terrorism is the taking of something that's very important to you and making you afraid. And so terrorists strike at the places that are most important to us, at the places where we maybe feel most vulnerable. They attack our schools and, and our children where, where, where there are places where we think they are going to be safe. Again, this, this past week, whether it be in Sri Lanka or, or yesterday in San Diego, they attack our places of worship. They attack us as Christians. If you've never seen the website, Voice of the Martyrs, I encourage you to go to it. Because when you go there, you will see that on a daily basis, people are using terror and fear against Christians, trying to take things from them and hurt them to get them to distance themselves from the faith and to distance themselves from God. Well, here's the deal. Satan has been a terrorist from the beginning. He has. It, it, it's always been about fear. It's also always been about the separation. It's always been about the lies. It's always trying to get you into a discomfort level that will make you question God. And the second you begin to question God, the fears begin to arise and your worst nightmares start to come true. And so today, as we go into this message series, out of the shackles, this hope rising out of the shackles of fear, we are going to address these fears head on, address these lies head on with the truth. And so as we do that, the first thing I want to do is, is where we started last week on Easter and a definition. When we talk about hope rising, this is what we mean. Hope is the certain expectation. 
The confident expectation. Confident. I am so sure about this, of what God has promised, and its strength is in his faithfulness. Hope is not wishful thinking. As I said the other day, hope, if it's my football team and I hope they get five wins but they're a really bad team, that is not hope the way the Bible describes it. Hope the way the Bible describes it would be like you saying, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow. And the reason why we look at that is because every day before this, it has come up. And it's a certain hope. We can, it's like clockwork. We can tell you what time the sun is going to come up. We can tell you what time it is going to set because it has never failed and never faltered in that. That's what God's promises are. It's not wishful thinking. It's not saying, you know, I really hope that the future is better than today because today is bad and it's not based on any promise. No, we are laying hold of these promises of Christ, the whole, laying hold of the promises of God because they are certain. They can be, be depended on completely in our lives. And so where we're going to go now with that certain hope is we're going to go to the promises. And we're going to Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. Romans 8, 26, 27. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible, right here. The, this is solid gold, people. This is for, for no matter what you go through in life, what a great place to start. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Okay, so as we look at this, this is where it starts. And we need to look at the, the hopeless part of this. We need to look at the fear part of this verse. And that is this. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. I'm telling you, when you get to this position, praying when you don't know even what you should pray for is when you, you are beginning to get to a broken place. And the reason why is you don't know what to pray for because what you want is so broken that it can't be fixed. And so in a situation... If, if a person is in, in a situation where they either have committed an infidelity or, or, or have had someone do that to them, you can't undo it. It's done. And so in the middle of that, you don't know if you should pray for a hard heart so you can just walk away from that person or you don't know if you ought to pray for a bad memory so you don't think about it anymore that you look at it and you say, I don't even know what I ought to pray for. I've seen this too. We have, we have gone through this. Unfortunately, a number of people have, here have family members with Alzheimer's. And, and when you go through that Alzheimer's, and, and I've been there and I go and visit during the week, and, and it's like every week, every day, the next day is worse. And when you see someone who's in a critical situation or, or even in a hospice, you don't know what you ought to pray for. 
Because a part of you says, well, maybe I should pray that they get better, but you, you know that that's not going to happen. Then a part of you says, well, I want to pray for them to continue to live so that because I love them, but you see them in pain and misery. And then another part of you says, well, maybe I should pray that they die. And then you say, but that's selfish of me. God, I don't know what I ought to pray for. And if you are in a situation like this today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the misery of not knowing how to move forward. And so what happens next? The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. (laughs) That your prayers are more like crying sessions. You can't tell anyone what you're going through because the human language is inadequate to share the misery and the pain that you're going through right now. That's what's going on. Those are the wordless groans. And so in the middle of that, when no one else, it's your own little hell because you're like isolated and everyone who tries to say, oh, do this or do that, and they're well-meaning, they just don't get it. God's promise, the Spirit, His Holy Spirit, through faith, coming inside of you. Oh my goodness, this is the exact opposite of demon possession. This is Holy Spirit possession. This is in faith when God through his spirit comes on you in ways that we do not fully understand and I cannot fully communicate. And God simply says, I know. And as the Holy Spirit is inside of you and communicates with God the Father in ways we don't completely understand, no words are spoken nor need to be spoken, but simply groans that words cannot express. These are the promises. These are the promises of God. And so in the blank, what is the shackle? The shackle is I'm afraid God doesn't hear my prayers. And you might be able to say, I know that does not capture what I just said. It doesn't. But, but the fear is, is that nobody knows. The, the fear is that this is so broken that it can't be fixed, that there's no future here. The reality is, the hope rising is God hears and helps me in my weakness. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. As I was going through this, I, I thought of another scripture that I wanted to share with you. And it's just these words that say the same thing in another way, in a beautiful way to show you the promises of God to put your hope in. And this is from Ephesians. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And, and so the first part of this is that, that, that beautiful part that God comes in inside of you and gives you peace. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high 
and deep is the love of Christ, to know the love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. And listen to these words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could even ask or imagine, according to his power that is in, at work among us, to him be glory in the church both now and forever in Jesus Christ. It's saying the same thing, but it's this beautiful thing that God is able to do more than we can ever ask or imagine. So in the middle of this, when we don't know what we ought to pray for, God's response is, I know exactly what you need. And be ready, because I am going to bless this in ways you cannot even begin to understand. And in the middle of a bad situation that isn't going to be fixed today, Hope rises. God's promises come to you in your hopelessness and and they remind you that there is a future for you with your God. We continue. And we know, and these are passages maybe you've heard before, maybe the most used and most abused passage in scripture right here. When I was at the seminary, every sermon ended this way. And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I guarantee you, I could call on 15 people today who would raise their hand and say, I think this is crap. Because I'm going through something right now that I don't believe there's any good out of. I'm getting robbed I cannot see how any good could come from this horrific situation. You go to Sri Lanka today and and you talk to some of those people and tell them all the good that came out of the hundred and however many people, 150 people that were killed. Let's have that conversation. When, When you're in the middle of that, who are going to say, I want to challenge this. And for that reason, we need to listen on who have been called according to his purpose, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And in in the midst of this verse, of, of all things work together for the good, the next verse says, and this is what we're talking about. This is the end game for God. This, the end game is to bring you home to be with him in heaven. And, and so in the blank you can write, the shackle is, I am afraid my life is going nowhere, or I've stalled, or this situation has completely ruined where my life was going to go. And the hope The certain truth is that God works for my eternal good in all situations. His goal for my life is to bring me home to heaven. We've said it this way before, and I I don't like this because it's a trite saying, but, but it's one that's good for me to remember. It helps me. God does not call me to be happy. He calls me to be holy. God does not call me to be happy. He calls me to be holy. And some of you might say, well, he's halfway there because I'm not happy. (laughs) Then we'll work on the next part. 
And, and maybe the way that, that I would describe it, the, the illustration to me that makes the most sense that maybe will help you is this. If I told you that someone was going to come after you today and take a knife and, and cut you open, and then they were going to come and they were going to break your bones, and then they were going to stop your heart, and then I was going to tell you, and then you're going to pay him 50 grand out of thanks. He'd be like, absolutely not. Except isn't that what we do with the heart surgeon? Think about what is done in an open heart surgery. They cut you, they, they break your sternum open, they, they spread your ribs, they stop your heart, they cut you in other places to get veins, they put them in, and then they, it's, you, if anyone didn't know what was going on and was simply watching that, they'd be like, that's like whacked out. That is crazy. But yet, as you, if you're someone who has gone through that and have come out the other side, you're like, that's the only way I could live. That's it. And what God is saying, sometimes it's this belief, God is a butcher, and he's not. God is a surgeon. God is a surgeon working on the human heart, working in your life with instruments that might seem very blunt, but working his eternal good. That's the promise. Your life is going somewhere. You are going somewhere. It's to where you belong. It's your eternal home, and it's heaven. Next verses, Romans 8, 31 to 32. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I got some answers to that one. If God, if who can be against me? I got a lot of people who are against me. At least it feels like that all the time. Satan probably at the top of the list, but a bunch of others as well. But here it is. But he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? My goodness. God already gave you his son Jesus and gave his life. Think of Good Friday. Think of the cross. There is nothing your God will not give to you that is beneficial to you that serves the purpose of bringing you home to heaven where you belong. Nothing. In the blank, you can write, my shackle is I'm afraid of not having enough. We call that the scarcity mentality. I don't have enough. I'm going to use it all up. The hope, the certainty is because God has given me Jesus, he will also give me everything else I need. Anything else I need. All of it. Everything else I need on my walk of faith. You have everything you need through Jesus Christ. Everything. He gave you Jesus, and he gives you so much more every single day providing for your needs through him. We continue. Next, uh, Romans 8, 33 to 34. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, hope rising, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Let's do the fill-ins before we talk about this one. So the shackle is, my past sins will keep me from future blessing. That I have screwed up too much in the past to be able to have any type of future. Whereas the hope is, Jesus is my biggest advocate and Savior, and risen Savior. 
and he talks to the Father for me. My past sins will keep me from future blessings. Why do we feel that way? Why is that a fear and a lie? It goes to the the first part of the verse. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Has anyone here had anyone else be critical of them? Has anyone else looked at you and say, you've done this wrong and that wrong and this wrong and that wrong? You need to come read my email if you haven't had that. I remember Jeff, Pastor Jeff, telling me once uh, after getting a scathing email, he said, Dan, now you know you're a leader. Uh, That's what happens. But the criticism, there there are people, you get criticism, and then there's the the under-the-skin criticism. There is the criticism from people who bother you, and you don't even know why. You know your mom's crazy, and yet she, she's critical of you and the way you do Easter dinner and it like freaks you out. And it's like, why? And, and maybe the, the, your family says, don't even worry about what she says. Don't, I mean, it's, stop. And that's what happens when it comes to the, the charges. Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? There is someone whose opinion you care about more than God's. And the reason I say that is because who is the one who, who, who says we're not guilty? God. God's the one who justifies. Justifies literally means, justify means you are declared not guilty. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. And what he's saying is if God, the, the, the maker of heaven and earth, the judge of the universe says you're not guilty, you're not guilty, Okay? You are not guilty. You are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if anyone, anyone questions that, point them into one place. And that's the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Where hope rises not only on Easter Sunday, but every day. Every day, the certainty that God has forgiven your sins and you don't need to live in fear of your past, the skeletons in your closet, which we all have, that you, you don't need to live in the fear of being found out, but you can bring it out into the daylight, confess that sin, and, and enjoy the forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We end with the big, uh, this is the, all of the things together that we talked about. All the fears that you have, any fear that you have, I'm going to guess that it's in here somewhere. And so this is the finale of this chapter 8. Who shall separate us? Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? And let's try to hit all your fears. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, not having anything to eat, not having anything to wear, famine, nakedness, or danger or sword, As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul is saying, this is my life. This is the life of a Christian. If this was the life of Jesus to be persecuted and to have all these things, understand this is part of it. There is no following Christ without this. And and so we need to understand that. This isn't a sign that God is against you and God's not with you. It's just the exact opposite. 
It's this reality that as long as we have Christ and we follow him, we are not going to be loved by the world in which we live. No, no. Are these things going to separate you from the love of Christ? No, no, they are not. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. This is the biggest truth of of the fear, the shackle of fear. The shackle of fear says, I am a victim. I am a victim of the circumstances around me. And now as that victim, I am in chains and there's nothing I can do. And actually, what, what Paul is saying here is here, you're, you're conquerors. He's real, the word you could argue, it, it would be like the New Living Translation, would be you are superheroes. You are spiritual superheroes through the work of Jesus Christ. That through what Christ has done, knowing all these things, we are superheroes. We are more than conquerors. We do conquer, but we're so much more than that. Through him who loved us. All of this through Jesus Christ. What's your secret power? Jesus is my savior. Newsflash, that's yours too. It's our secret power that isn't a secret anymore. The open tomb made that hope rising, but it's also made public. This is the power we have. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers... Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, you and me, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the truth. That is the certain hope that we have. No matter what you're facing. No matter what I'm facing. And the reality of it is, is there are times when we doubt that. And in times of those doubts, we need to hear these words. In the blank, you can write, the shackle here is that negative spiritual and physical forces in life will separate me from God. The fear is I'm not going to make it. The fear is this enemy's too big. The fear is I'm not going to be able to get either through this or over this or around it or whatever it is. I am hung up on this one permanently. And God says, no. No, 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 no. Maybe you do have a clear understanding of the problem. If that's the case, you don't have a clear understanding of your God. This is the truth. Jesus has defeated any enemy, every enemy I will face in my life. He has made me a conqueror He has made you a conqueror and so much more. So much more. No longer, no longer a victim. No longer the world's punching bag. No no longer the, the, the ones who get knocked down and then kicked down and then kicked while we're down. But rather, we go back to the things we go back to every week. And they're the things, because they're, they're, they're not just all that we have, they're everything we have. This reality of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, being brought into his family. This reality that, that the empty tomb on Easter was not only Jesus' victory over death, but it's our victory over death and life. 
It's this reminder that in all things, even as the world and as Satan come after us and they try to hammer us, even through those things, they bring us closer into this relationship with God as he brings us through them. And so, if you are someone right now who is maybe on those, the top 15 list of getting beat up right now, my prayers are with you. I don't mean to diminish or make small what you are going through. We love and care about you at Crosswalk. We want to put our arms around you to the extent that we have. And I know that you're going through a season that just sucks. It, it, there's, there's no two ways about it. But your situation is not hopeless. Not by any means. Christ has broken those shackles. And, and so... Maybe today the hope that is rising is just barely rising. Maybe it's, it's simply a flicker. But these promises are for you. This message is for you today to let you know that you are loved and that you are not only going to win, but you today are a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Your superhero strength is Jesus and his love for you. Rest on it. Use it in whatever you are facing throughout your lives. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the love that you have shown us in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We certainly do have hope. As certainly as the sun will rise, the confidence we have in the sun rising tomorrow, your strength and your power and your love will rise in our lives every single day. It rises today. It already has. Help us on a regular basis to go back to those certain promises Help us see everything that you have to offer. Help us to, to, to look at our lives and, and maybe go through the heartbreak of realizing that, that it's not going to be happy, but that each one of us are holy. Help us to keep our eyes on our heavenly home as we go through the, the difficult things of this life and let us never doubt that in all things you, you, you work for their, our good and that you love us so dearly. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Yeah, an awesome God with a track record, a perfect track record of being there for us. Uh, just a reminder today of that, uh, the uh, call meeting at 1.30 at Arizona Lutheran Academy if you'd like to join us for that. And as you go here today, leave with hope rising. Uh, next week we will continue with the message series and, and see that hope we have even in the middle of despair. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Have a great day.